This week, Thanksgiving week, is uh, family time, and it's time where you spend a lot with your family, and you can't do that this year. Uh, so I know it's, it's a struggle, but uh, I've, and, and for us, we've, we've cut down our holiday quite a bit. We usually have a big house full of people, and we're not going to do that this year. But I, um, I just had this overwhelming sense in my heart, and I took an extended prayer drive last night. I, I just drove out through, uh, went out through Agawam and up through Southwick and, and uh, went, crossed over into Connecticut into the Suffield, West Suffield area. Just drove and I was driving through neighborhoods and I always hesitate because I got a pickup truck and I look like a criminal. And when I drive through neighborhoods, people with their kids outside, they're like watching my truck and taking my license plate down. But I just, I, I was just really praising God and having a great time of prayer. And I said, Lord, I don't know what this is. Please let me know what it is because I just have a real burden right now. A lot of my brothers in ministry and their wives are struggling right now. And I have a real burden to reach out to them and uh, try to get them together and encourage them. And I'm trying to encourage as many as I can. And, and in our church, I just want to keep encouraging our people and, and growing our people and reaching out and telling people, listen, if, you're, if your church is shut down right now, come and be with us for now. And when your church opens back up, go back to your church, but you need to be connected. And I said, Lord, I don't really know what it is, but it's a joy. You know that song, Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory, that old song, The Half Has Never Yet Been Told? That's how I felt. And I said, Lord, help me to identify this because I want to be able to identify. And what it is, it's hope. There's a hope in my heart. There's a hope in my spirit. And I don't care what's going on in this world. I don't care what's going on in people in, 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 in uh, outside of everything. I have hope in my life. And I'm, I'm looking forward. I, I started com communicating with Jonathan about uh, the upcoming series. This, this is the last, next to the last message there. Uh, we're going to be going into the new year. It's almost 2021. Can you believe that? And I was praying about what are, I like to, I like to have a theme at least for the beginning of the year and what the, the, the theme was going to be for the year. And I'm just so excited about what God's doing here. Even in the middle of all of this, God is blessing, God is growing, God is reaching into people's lives and hearts and changing people and bringing them back to himself and bringing them back to church and, and we're seeing the ministry move forward. And we're having to change a lot of things we do, right? We're doing, things, we're doing a lot of things different. And I think that's great. I think sometimes we have to be shaken out of our, our, uh, our, our comfort zone and shaken out of our, our uh, almost zombie-like state to see that God wants to do something, but he just has to do it a new way. And so the theme for this coming year, as I've spoken, as I've, I said in the first service, I'll say it in this one, it was just, it's just one word, new. Because everything's gonna be new. Everything's gonna be new. And we're coming out of this, this crazy year and everything has to be new. Everything has to be different. It's going to be different whether we like it or not. The way, the way things, have changed, things have changed, um, we're just going to have to make a lot of changes and we're gonna to have to have some new ideas and some new things. And, and God says that he wants to make all things new, so we're just gonna go with that idea. So I challenge you and I, I, I challenge you with this, that said all that to say this, find your hope right now. Find your hope and find it in Jesus Christ. Because I know for many of you, this is tough. Many of you are going to be alone. You know, I, I have my wife and my children to celebrate Thanksgiving with. But many of you are going to be by yourselves. I understand that. And it's a lonely time. Thanksgiving is, 
Like my, anybody else, Thanksgiving is your favorite holiday? I love Thanksgiving. I love that. But I'm more of a, I, I, like, I don't have a problem when people say happy holidays because I love the holiday season. For me, Thanksgiving starts like the middle of last week and, uh, and it goes, the, the holiday season goes past New Year's. I'm not a big New Year's guy, but that's when the holiday season ends. But uh, it's one of my favorite times. And to think that I have to change that and can't have Thanksgiving the way I normally like to uh, is not discouraging, but it, it gives you pause. So I know many of you are going to be by yourselves. You're going to have much, uh, a much more muted Thanksgiving than you would normally. But my challenge to you is this. Find your hope. Find your hope in Jesus Christ. Find your hope for your life right now, beyond your circumstances, beyond the circumstances of this world, and find your hope in Jesus Christ. Because if you're going to make it through this and you're going to hit the ground running in 2021, you need to have your hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we're, in the, we're near the very end of a series called Learning from Roadkill. Last week, we started talking about the next to the last animal. The last animal will be next week, and I, I let the cat out of the bag uh, yesterday uh, on, our, on my live invitation on Facebook. And we're going to be talking, next week we're going to be talking about the bird. And it shocked me that birds are on the list of top 10 animals that are killed on the roads. Um, I snorted again. It's, I snorted in the first service. I snorted this service. It's crazy. Anyway. Um, and we started last week talking about this animal. And remember, we're, we're looking at animals that are killed on the road trying to find traits and characteristics in them that cause them to be there and cause them to get run over, and then trying to make a spiritual application from that. Last week, we started talking about the raccoon. Our, our text verse for this whole series is 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to take you down. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your home. He wants to destroy your walk with Jesus. He wants to just destroy you. He's not your friend. He doesn't have good intentions for you. And you shouldn't be fooling around with anything that has to do with Satan because he wants to destroy you. And many times destroying us means that we become roadkill on the road of life. We started talking about the raccoon. And I told you last week, kind of tongue in cheek, the raccoon has been uh, has been adopted as the mascot for 2020 because the raccoon always wears a mask. Raccoons wash their hands frequently. And if you rearrange the words in raccoon, it spells Corona. So raccoons have been adopted as, uh, have, have been taken on as the, uh, the mascot for 2020. And I gave you some facts about raccoons and we're not gonna go through that whole list again, but the one thing that I took out of all those raccoon facts was this, raccoons are disease factories. They're the number one carrier in the animal kingdom in America of rabies. They carry rabies, they carry parvo. If you have a, a dog or a cat, you know parvo is, is a horrible thing for your animal to get. Uh, they, they carry different uh, roundworms, they carry different uh, viruses, different uh, parasites, and they pass all of these on. And the way we get them, the way I transferred that into roadkill was that a raccoon, if it catches rabies, it's usually dead within one to three days. So it's not a protracted uh, uh, death for a raccoon. They die very quickly. So they don't have a lot of time to pass that disease on or any of those diseases. But what they do 
when they die is they don't do it. Animals come and feed on them. And that passes the disease onto others. So the raccoon, what we're talking about with the raccoon is their toxic nature. We're talking about the toxic raccoon. Uh, many Christians are toxic, just like raccoons. They carry diseased attitudes that will eventually kill their spiritual life. They pass those toxic attitudes and spiritual diseases on to other Christians who pass them on to others until many Christians and sometimes entire churches become toxic. And toxic natures within church, toxic Christians within a church is the quickest way for a church to be destroyed. And it doesn't have to shut down to be destroyed. A church becoming a, div a, divided, air a divided church, a divided community, or a church splitting over a toxic individual is a death knell. Believers walk away from their faith, churches become divided, and unsaved people die and go to hell. Toxic people can destroy you, toxic people will destroy you, and toxic people will do their best to destroy your church. And that's why we've spent time talking about it. What is it the toxic people do? What is it, we, this is all review from last week, what is it the toxic people do to you that, that wears you down so much? And, and listen, let me just give this disclaimer here and this, this plea to you. As we go through this message, I know this is not popular, and I'm, I'm just gonna tell you up front, after the first service, after preaching this, this is a tough message to hear. Okay, it really is. It's a very tough message to hear. It's a very tough message to internalize. Not because you may be toxic, but because you have toxic people in your life. And the way we deal with toxic people is not the way we want to deal with toxic people. It's not the way that many people think we should deal with toxic people. So let me say up front to you right now, this is a tough message to hear, but I pray that you'll open your heart and open your spirit and allow God to speak to you. What is it that toxic people do to you that causes you to struggle? The first thing they do, remember we talked about this last week, they exhaust you emotionally because people are drama, drama, drama. It's drama all day long, nine to five, off work, Days off, it's always drama. Toxic people are drama, and they exhaust you emotionally. And what happens when you get exhausted emotionally? You get exhausted physically, right? Emotional, uh, so, some of the most, I, I, I think many times, maybe you're like me, I think I'd rather, I don't think, I know, I'd rather work a physical job all day long than a job that exhausts me emotionally. Because physical, man, I can sit down and unwind. But emotional exhaustion exhausts me physically as well. And when a Christian is exhausted emotionally and physically, guess what's next? It exhausts us spiritually. And you can't give someone a drink of cool water from an empty well. So, so, so toxic people exhaust us emotionally. What else do they do? They bully people. They bully others. Some of you have been bullied by toxic people in your lives and you've, you'd have allowed, you'd have allowed, you have allowed it to happen. Toxic people, people use guilt to control others. They, they want to guilt you, and it's not always overt guilt. Sometimes it's covert guilt, right? And, and they may not use guilt about what you did, but it may be guilt about the way they've been treated in their lives. 
to make you feel sorry for them. And now you have to make up for the mistakes that everybody else made. Toxic people easily become jealous. Toxic people are constantly negative. Toxic people are the most negative people you'll ever meet in your life. (laughs) Toxic people give backhanded compliments, which are really insults. And they do that so that they can make themselves look better than you. They want to lift themselves up above you. Toxic people are overly defensive and they're easily offended. Does that not describe society today? And does that not describe many Christians today? We're offended over everything. I'm serious, man. People get offended over everything. Those are toxic people. And lastly, toxic people claim the victim's role. They're always the victim. They're always the victim. they, They will turn it around on you to make you the aggressor and them the victim, and they're, they've become pros at it. Many of them, when you, when you come in contact with a, a toxic person that understands how to work that victim mentality, they will twist you into our peace, our reputation, or even our sanity, those these are good aims. It's primarily about protecting our mission. So dealing with toxic people as a Christian, as a church member, as a follower of Jesus, as a protective member of the kingdom of God, is not about personally on the, on, on, the, uh, on the first level. It's not about protecting our joy. It's about protecting our mission. What is our mission? We see that in Second uh, Corinthians 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled. To God. Reconciling humanity to Jesus Christ is our number one goal. That's our mission. It's the heartbeat of God, and it should be the heartbeat of the church, and it should be the heartbeat of every follower of Jesus Christ. First of all, reconciling yourself. And a lot of what we're going to be talking about this morning is about you, about how you deal with these things, about how you deal with these people. Because if you're not good for you, if you're if you're not good for yourself, you're not good for anybody. Okay? So first of all, we must reconcile ourselves. That's, our first, that's the first part of our mission. Secondly, we reconcile brothers and sisters back to Christ. We're going to be talking about some of those verses here in just a couple minutes. And I've made no mistake about it. And one, one of the things that God has laid on my heart over the last two weeks is, you know, as I said, my brothers and, brothers and sisters in ministry, a lot of pastors are committed. Suicide is like, I won't call it epidemic among pastors and pastors' wives, but it's pretty high right now. And I, it's, it's, it's something I never used to hear about. And now all of a sudden it's happening. Pastors who are, uh, who are just struggling and their families are just struggling right now and with discouragement and it, it, because everything's changed. And I believe, I believe we need to embrace this and embrace what God is doing because he's doing it for a reason and allowing things for a reason, and we just embrace it. When we see him, instead of our circumstances, we understand that he's working and wants to do something. So we embrace it, and that's why we're going to be talking this coming year about things being new. And then we need to reconcile brothers and sisters to Christ, and that's where I've said a lot of churches have shut down, right? A lot of churches right now have shut down. They've shut down physically. They can't meet because they rent buildings and those buildings have been shut down so they can't meet physically. And a lot of them don't have the capabilities to go online and do virtual. So Christians are stuck. Well, some of you have friends that go to other churches that can't go to church right now. What I'm saying, what a burden on my heart is to tell you to feel free to invite them to come and join us at New Life. We're not looking to steal steal members from other churches and build our church on somebody else. But your friends 
in your Christian friends need connection right now. They need hope. They need the connection of a church. So invite them and say, hey, come and come. We'll, we, will, we will foster during this time. See, it's all about, I believe, how you see it and, and where you place your hope. So here's some facts about you and toxic people. This is how we ended the message last week. First of all, you're not, you are not responsible for the actions and attitudes of toxic people. Their actions and their attitudes are not your responsibility. Secondly, you're not required to fix toxic people. Understand this. This is going to be hard for some of you to hear. You cannot fix toxic people. You can't fix anybody. Only Jesus can. You are simply the tool in his hand, allowing him to work through you to help other people. You can't fix anybody. And you're not required to fix toxic people. You do not have to react to toxic people. <laughs> Being around toxic people is not mandatory. You don't have to have them in your life as an everyday part of your life. You don't have to take it from toxic people. But you're always commanded to forgive even toxic people. And you do need to have a plan to reach toxic people. And that's what this message, this second half of the message is about today. The plan to reach toxic people. You need to have a plan. And let me just give you this. This is, as Voldemort, our, one of our assistant pastors, came up to me last week and, and gave me these verses. They apply so much. Let me just give this, ver, this challenge out, this word out to toxic people. If you're a toxic person, you're dangerous to the body of Christ. You cause division. You cause trouble. trouble. You bring other people down. Let me give you a word from Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 9. Go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without leader, administrator, or ruler, it prepares its provisions in summer. It gathers its food during harvest. How long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? Get busy and get yourself right with God. Toxic people. Stop causing trouble. Get busy and get right with God. Now, how do we deal with toxic people? This is where we pick up. This is today's message. How do we deal with toxic people? What, let me give you some, uh, today I want to give you some, some pointers, okay? On how to deal with toxic people. How to get yourself prepared to deal with these toxic people in your life. The first thing that we must remember and we must do is love them like Jesus loves them. Because Jesus does love toxic people. Listen, I'm not spreading hate. I'm not spreading division. I'm not spreading uh, any kind of animosity. I am telling you, we are, we are commanded to love everybody, and that includes toxic people. So the first thing you must do is love them. But we also know, those of you who are parents and good parents, how many of you had a real idea of what kind of parent you were going to be until you became a parent? And then once you became a parent, things changed. Yep, yep. I would, if you ever said, I would never, right? I'll never, I'll never. I remember people and, and uh, you know, people, I'd, I'd never spank my kids. Yeah, buddy. Okay, that changes in a heartbeat. Okay. I'd never yell at my kid. Yeah. Okay. I'll never raise my voice. It, it creates something in their side. Really? Okay. Listen, I have a hoarse voice sometimes because I yell so much. 
Okay? I'll never embarrass my kids in public. I have a rule. I had a rule with my, my three oldest, and I have it with my two sons. You embarrass me in public, I'm embarrass you in public. You, you get yourself out of control, guess what? I'll leave that cart right in the middle of the aisle, and we'll walk out of this place. Just the way it is. I said that to say this. Love does not always mean that you overlook faults. Love means you deal with what you've been handed. And love sometimes means you have to be tough with people. Love people like Jesus loves them because he does love toxic people. Carl, but be careful. Carl Sandburg said, the great, great poet said this, be careful with your words. Once they are said, they can only be forgiven, not forgotten. Love toxic people. Be careful with what you say to them. Be careful with how you lash out at them. Be careful with how you react. Remember I said you don't have to react? Usually when we react, it's verbally, and we say things we don't mean, and we say things we didn't want to say. And once those words are out of your mouth, you can never get them back. They can only be forgiven, not forgotten. And Dave Willis says, don't treat people the way they treat you. Treat, them, pe treat people the way God treats you. I think that's a great standard to go by when we're dealing with toxic people. We don't want to treat toxic people the way they treat us. We want to treat toxic people the way God treats us. Remember, the goal is to, re remember what I said before, our ministry is reconciliation, right? We're trying to reconcile people, even toxic people. But reconciling them does not mean that you, you allow them to think that they're okay. Right? If my sons come to me with a large cut on their leg, I'm not going to say, ah, just walk it off. I just walk. I'm going to take care of it. If they're bleeding profusely, I'm going to take care of it. If there's an issue, I'm going to take care of it. With toxic people, we don't excuse, and love doesn't mean that you excuse what they're doing. Love means you address what they're doing. 1 Corinthians Three, uh, 13 verses 4 and 5 says, Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boast another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Listen, I know it's tough to love the unlovely. I know it's tough to love the difficult. But the Bible says if we're going to reconcile people to God, if we're going to do the ministry that God has called us to do, many times it means loving people in spite of what they are. Loving people in spite of their actions. Loving people in spite of how they treat us. Ephesians 4.13 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Our desire by loving them is not to, to excuse them. It's to keep unity. Because no one is too far from the love and grace of Jesus Christ that they can't be brought back. We want to restore them to usefulness in the kingdom but we need to take steps to protect ourselves from them. James 5, 19 and 20, my brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. What am I saying here? A balance has to be struck between your spiritual health and their need. You have to find a balance between your spiritual health and their need. Yes, you must love them. Love does not mean excusing what they do. Many times it means addressing what they're doing. But you've got to find that balance between your spiritual health. Remember, your health is most important and their need. The second thing we must do is this. We must forgive them 
like Jesus forgives you. We talked about this just a minute ago, right? <laughs> you must forgive them the way Jesus forgives you. According to a Barna survey, around one in four practicing Christians in America today has a person in their life who they just can't forgive. Their words, not mine. One out of every four Christians that are practicing their faith today have at least one person in their life that they just can't forgive. Can I, can I just say this to you, folks? That is the first step to becoming a toxic person. To allow someone to have a hold on you so much so that you can't forgive them. That breeds toxicity in your life. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Freedom frees your spirit so that you can go on to greater things for Jesus. Proverbs 17 verse 9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Can I be honest with you? Some of you, you need to learn to forgive. You need to allow yourself to forgive somebody. Some of you, someone did something to you when you were a child. You need to forgive that. Someone did something to you as an adult. Someone's done to you in church. And you're holding on to it and it's grinding at you. And it's like a weight around your ankles and you can't move forward. You've got to learn to forgive. The third thing we must do, and I, and, and I think this is one of the most important, uh, it, it goes along, it kind of over, it, it, it's kind of the, the, uh, the macro of this entire plan of how to deal with toxic people is this, you must protect yourself. You must protect yourself. If you are going to minister, if you're going to walk with Jesus Christ, if you're going to be prosperous for the kingdom, if you're going to be a prosperous member of New Life Church, and you're going to do something great for the kingdom of God, you've got to protect yourself from toxic people. What does that mean? Well, Mahatma Gandhi said, I will not allow experienced trauma at the hands of people they've trusted take responsibility. And that's what's toxic. Some of you are taking, you, you are blaming yourself for what someone else did to you. And you are owning their problem. Some of you, you went through things, you went through horrible things as a child. And you're blaming yourself. Can I just tell you this? You're not responsible for an adult's actions on a child. You couldn't stop an adult from doing what they did to you. And it's not your fault. And I know you live with guilt. I know you live with shame. I know you do live with personal pain. But let me tell you something. It's not your fault. You didn't do it. It was done to you. Some of you, some of you women, you deal with the guilt and the shame of what some man did to you. And I know, I'm speaking to a crowd mostly of women today in the second service. I know women's lib. I know women, uh, women's rights. And I'm all for equal pay for equal work. I'm all for equality. But I'm going to tell you, let me just be flat out honest with you, ladies. And if you're going to be honest about it, you'll say the same thing. Women are not as strong as men physically. It's just the truth. I'm sorry. I, I, it's just the way it is. I'm not saying they're not as intelligent, not saying they're not as capable, but men are stronger than women physically. It's the way God designed us. That's something we don't want to accept. And in society, we've been fed this, this, uh, this garbage that equality means equality in everything. No, it's not. It's not equality in everything. We're physically different. And 
And no matter how much you fought, a man is stronger than a woman. And they did what they did to you, and you couldn't have stopped it if you wanted to. You couldn't have stopped it no matter how hard you fought. And you need to let go of that guilt and that with, with the guilt of what you went through in life. Don't now take responsibility for what they did. Some of you live in a marriage that you're taking responsibility for your spouse. Oh, if I would have just done this, they wouldn't have done that. Oh, if I'd have just done this. Can we allow our spouses to be adults and to take responsibility for themselves? And yeah, you may have borne some problems. You might have been able to make something, do something different. But that's not the reason they made the choice they made. They made the choice they made because they wanted to make that choice. And if you're going to protect yourself, a big part of that is not taking responsibility for somebody else's bad behavior. And if you're doing that, folks, you're on your way to being toxic. Stop taking responsibility for what somebody else did. You want Bible for that? The Bible says we're all going to have to stand before Jesus Christ and answer for ourselves. As much as I love Aaron, I'm not going to... I, whether I want to, understand this, whether I want to or not, God's not going to allow me to stand before him and answer for Aaron. She's going to have to answer for herself. Therefore, I don't need to take responsibility for her actions now. And nor does she need to take responsibility for my actions because I have to stand before God. If that's the way it is before God, who do you think you are by taking responsibility for somebody else's actions? Protect yourself. Recognize toxic people for what they are and be willing to see those toxic tendencies within yourself. Maya Angelou, one of the, I love this quote. It's something, <laughs> it's something I've been talking to Erin about and trying to get her to understand in, in the nine years. Because quite honestly, one of the biggest struggles she's had is other people. Well, and, and, and she would say to me, John, I just can't believe Christians would act that way. Uh, and that's the way it is. And we have to protect ourselves. And I've, I, I gave her this quote. It's from Maya Angelou, great poet. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Listen, I don't think there's any doubt, right? I'm going to give you a revelation right now about me. I am a Dodgers fan. Believe me, that's not going to change. That's who I am. That's in my core, at, in my heart as a sports fan, baseball fan, I am a Dodgers fan. That's who I am. Believe me. Don't think I'm just jumping on a bandwagon. Don't think that this is just what I'm doing in this season of my life. That's who I am. And when people tell you who they are, believe them. The biggest mistake we make is not taking people at their actions. Not taking people at their representation of who they are. Maybe you dated somebody in, when you were in high school and they were like the one everybody wanted, the, the, man, the, the, the guy or the girl that everybody wanted to date. And you finally got to date them. You started getting into a relationship. You were going steady or going together or whatever they called it in your high school. And after a couple of weeks, the shine was off the apple and they yelled at you or they lost their, or they revealed something to you that was kind of ugly. 
but you didn't believe it. You just thought it was one off, right? And you ended up getting yourself into a bad relationship and it ended up being a, 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 an ugly breakup because you didn't believe them when they showed you who they were. Believe people when they tell you who they are, believe them the first time. If you have to keep making excuses to explain their actions, guess what? They're toxic. If you have to ignore their sin just to keep peace, guess what? They're toxic. We all have to, ho we all have to hope to change the grace and goodness of God. And the first step there is to fully understand that there's a need. If the problem is with you, admit that you need help. If the issue stems from within a family member or a close friend, try talking to them in humility with all honesty, letting them know how these patterns can tear their life down. But by all means, don't excuse it and don't ignore it. Accept who they are because they've shown you or told you who they are. That's one way to protect yourself. Another way, some of you, listen, if you need permission from somebody for you to do this, I give you permission, okay? Set boundaries. Another way to protect yourself, set boundaries. Well, how do I set boundaries? Well, one way is, you, my phone is over there. Um, you said it last week, I'll say it again this week. There is no law in this country that says you have to answer every phone call that comes your way. There is no law in this country that says you have to read and answer every text message. You do not have to answer every email. In fact, there are emails that many times if I read in the subject line and it's, it's like you and it's filled with explicatives, guess what I do? Delete. <laughs> I know people that, that keep their hate mail. They keep, uh, they, they keep uh, things on their, their phone, you know, the message, message threads on their phone, and they go back and review them. Oh, what are you doing, man? <laughs> You're reminding yourself of the dysfunction and the ugliness. Let it go. Well, I need that. You know, someday it may come in handy. How is it going to come in handy? Seriously. Seriously. What you're doing is building your building. Let it go. Set boundaries in your life for people. Matthew 7, 6. You say, well, Pastor John, you just said we have to love everybody. But I also said loving sometimes is 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 a tough love. So no, Jesus says, Jesus describes it in Matthew 7, 6. Don't give what is holy to dogs or cast your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. That sound familiar? That ever happened to you? You ever seen that happen to other people? You just keep giving and giving and giving and giving. I remember when I was a kid um, in churches growing up, I hero wives that they'd stay with this drunken bum in their life. And every night he'd come home drunk and just beat the ever-loving snot out of their wife. So, but with somebody else, counsel somebody like that. And a woman said, well, when he comes home, he beats me. What should I do? So what are you doing in the house? And they looked at me, well, I don't believe in divorce. I didn't say divorce him. I said, get out of the house. My goodness. You do not have to stay in that kind of a situation. Get out of it. When you continue to put yourself in dysfunctional situations with toxic people, guess what? 
They're going to trample your good intentions under their feet and turn back on you and rip you to pieces. A good rule of thumb is if they gossip and tear people up to you, they're going to gossip and tear you up to other people. Don't think you're special. They're going to do it to you. Second Peter 3.17 says, Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your own stable position. Peter warns us, listen, the potential for you to fall away with, from, because of toxic people in your life is great. If you don't protect yourself, if you don't set boundaries, if you don't keep yourself away from them and don't allow, and if you allow them to come into your life, especially when you're worn out, then you are going to fall away as well. And you know it as well as I do. You have friends that have done that, that, that has happened to. You've, they, they've allowed toxic people to continue to be in their life. And because of that, they are now away from uh, faithfulness in God. John 8, 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Set yourself free. Allow yourself to live free. The fourth thing we must do and we must remember is don't fight, even though you might want to. Don't fight. Well, I need to stand for my rights. I need to stand up. No, not in this kind of situation. Let me tell you why. Because toxic people, remember, the first thing I said that what toxic people do is they exhaust you emotionally. They exhaust you emotionally because of drama. Toxic people want to push you over the edge so that you'll fight back. Why? Because they want to fight. They want drama. They want the excuse to blow up. They want the excuse to raise their voice. They want the excuse to yell at you so they can grab people and bring them together around themselves and create their own support group army to go after you. Toxic people want to fight and they want drama. So don't fight. By the way, you're not ever going to win that fight. You're not. You're just not going to win. So don't fight even though you might want to. Fighting with a toxic person enables them and empowers them. 1 Peter 3 verse 9 says, Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, give a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. Man, one of the hardest things you're going to have to do with a toxic person in a toxic situation is say, hey, listen, man, I love you. Hey, listen, my sister, I love you, but I just have to leave right now. I can't stay here. I love you, but I can't stay here. I just can't do it. I'll be praying for you. I hope God blesses you. And when I'm ready, I can reach back out, but right now I just can't be here. There's nothing wrong with that. That's protecting yourself. Matthew 10, 16, look, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Remember what we said before, the Maya Angelou quote? When someone tells you who they are, believe them the first time. Jesus is saying to us this, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That's not how I see it. Well, you're blind. Jesus said, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Right? 
It hated me first. Jesus said, don't be surprised if people become your enemy, even brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't be surprised if people treat you badly. Don't be surprised if people talk about you. Don't be surprised if people stab you in the back, even brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Use wisdom. Understand that, that what we're doing, hey, listen, as much hope as I have, and I'm a man, I've got joy in my heart right now. I am so jacked about what God is doing here, about what God is doing in my life, in my family, in my church. I see so much hope, so much potential. I see God doing amazing work in our church and so much potential for what he wants to do in this community. Even though, even so, even though I see hope, I know there are pitfalls. I know there are people that want to, uh, that, that I know people that just heard me say that, whether, the, whether you're in the auditorium, whether you're watching on Facebook, that they may not verbalize it, but they're thinking, yeah, I can, I can change that for you right now. And I know there are people that will refuse to see hope, refuse to have joy, and when to move forward in that power. Knowing that even though I see positive and even so though I have hope, there are those who want to tear that down. Therefore, I have to be wise as a serpent while being harmless as a dove. And that means sometimes I just need to walk away and don't fight a battle that, that, uh, that I may want to fight. And speak the truth in love. In fact, Ephesians 4.15 tells us, speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into, the head, into him who is the head, Christ. Speak the truth in love. Many times we have that speak the truth part, but we lack the love part. Let's, let's get into the habit of speaking the truth in love. What does that mean? That means we speak the truth and we're honest about a situation, but we're honest with a purpose. And that purpose is recon what, just what we said at the very beginning, is reconciling people to Jesus Christ. So we speak the truth, not to fight, not to win an argument, not to make our point. We speak the truth to people with love. That love is, is motivated by the purpose of reaching them with Jesus Christ and reconciling them to God. That's what speaking the truth in love is all about. The fifth thing I think we need to do, and man, I told you this isn't an easy sermon to hear. Listen, folks, you need to learn how to walk away if you have to. You need to learn how to walk away if you have to. I know that's tough, and I know first service when I said that, it got real quiet, just like it just did now. Walk away if you have to. There is nothing wrong with walking away if you have to. Fantastic quote from an unknown source. The worst thing is watching someone drown and not being able to convince them that they could save themselves by just standing up. Isn't that something? The worst thing is watching someone drown and knowing you can't convince them that they could save themselves if they just stood up. Do you know why people don't want to be convinced that they could save themselves from drowning by just standing up? Because they'd rather pull you down into the water with them. And the misery, you know the old saying, misery loves company? That's exactly what they want. 
They want you to be drawn into their misery. And you just can't, you just can't convince them. I remember, anybody ever taken a life-saving, uh, a life-saving course, water life-saving, like a, a lifeguard? I remember when, when my dad was in the Navy, we would go to Bainbridge and we'd take swimming classes in the summer. And they taught you life-saving. There were some of the classes that taught you life-saving. And you'd go to help somebody thrash about and they'll hit you and they'll grab you and they'll try, they'll, they'll try to hang on to you like they were hanging on to a, a life preserver. But by doing that, they will stop you from being able to save themselves and they're gonna make you drown, they're gonna pull you down. So you know what they told us to do? When someone is acting that way, you swim away from them. Whew. Man. Wait a minute, this person's drowning. And you're telling me to swim away from them? Yes, because you must protect yourself. When I was in the army, when uh, you, get, you get training for gas attacks, and when someone starts doing this, if you're looking out across the field, my, you guys in Navy, I'm, I don't know if you had it or not, but you have gas, somebody do is the, does this, and they start yelling, gas, gas, gas. That's the, that's the, the signal in the, in the army for uh, protect yourself. You didn't go and help your buddy find his gas mask. The first thing you did when you saw or heard gas was you pulled out your own mask and you put your mask on and then you put your chemical suit on. And once you were protected, you went and helped somebody else. As Christians, we've got to understand that principle. We've got to protect ourselves and sometimes protecting ourselves means walking away from a situation and walking away from a person. I know that sounds harsh. I know that goes against what a lot of people want to say and, and you want, you, your heart is with that person and you want to help them, but all you're doing is facilitating their dysfunction and their toxic nature if you continue to stay with them without walking away. Beth Ann Adams said, when God delivers you from evil, don't keep in touch with it. When God delivers you from evil, don't keep in touch with it. We try to practice that with sin in our lives once we accept Christ, right? Once you accept Christ as your Savior, remember that old, that old chorus, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Maybe that wasn't something you guys sang. <laughs> things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. We, we distance ourselves from the actions when we, were, when we got saved, the actions of, of our sinful life. Sometimes we need to distance ourselves from sinful people and toxic people to protect ourselves. <clears throat> never thought I'd have to say this in a sermon because I never really, it, it never came about when I started preaching. But folks, listen. Walking away from somebody also means this. Stop trolling them on social media. Right? At the end of the social network, thank you, the social network. At the end of the movie, after all the court proceedings are done, the movie ends with Mark Zuckerberg sitting in a, in a big office all by himself with his laptop. And he's sitting there, and he's going to the, the Facebook page of the girl that shunned him. And he just kept, keeps hitting refresh, refresh, refresh. Trolling her. He can't let it go. Some of you, hey, listen, man. 
It's okay. You know, there's a block on Facebook is there for a reason. You can block somebody. You can block access. It's okay. We lived without Facebook. We lived without Instagram, right? See, I don't even know half the names of some of these things. I admit I'm on Facebook a lot, but Instagram, I, I follow Twitter because of sports, but just something inherently ridiculous about tweeting it just sounds weird. I tweeted. I'm sorry, I, just, I, I read news on Twitter and sports, sports stuff. But stop trolling them on Facebook. Leave them alone. Let it go. Walk away from it. Don't keep torturing yourself with that connection. Standing strong in your faith has got to be important to you. And you can't stand strong when you've got somebody else or their actions or their, their, their hold on you, pulling you down and weighing you down. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You're not going to make them a better person if they don't want to be a better person. You have got to learn and accept the fact that it is okay for you to look out for your own personal walk with Jesus. Because the more you listen, listen, if you sit around drinking arsenic, eventually it's going to kill you. Right? So if you stick around with toxic people and allow them to continue to spew their toxic garbage, I don't care if they're Christians or not. If you allow them to continue to spill their toxic garbage to you over and over and over, guess what? You're going to stop believing. You're going to start believing that. And even if you don't buy it hook, line, and sinker, at least you're going to buy it hook and line. And it's going to start to build a, a wall between you and, and other people, especially people that that person has a problem with. Walk away if you have to. Matthew 10, 14 says, if anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off for your feet when you leave that house or that town. Brush the dust off your feet. Hardest thing to learn in ministry is when to walk away from people. It truly is. And when to, when to allow them to take responsibility for their own lives. And you say, listen, I'll be here when you get back. And the last thing that I think you should have in your plan is this. You must keep moving forward in your walk with Jesus. You must keep moving forward in your walk with Jesus. What does that mean? Well, I just said walk away if you have to. But make sure when you walk away, you're walking in the direction of Jesus in your life. Make sure you're walking towards your Savior. You walk away from dysfunction, but you walk towards the functionality that Jesus offers to you. Keep moving forward. He can accomplish great things through your prayers. He can move mountains in your life. He can change hearts. God, and trust that he's going to handle the matter. Understand, though, understand that though it's never up to you to make someone different, he sets you in their life for a purpose, for a reason. And sometimes, folks... Sometimes you taking that tough stand, setting those boundaries, and even getting to the point where you have to walk away is exactly what that individual needs to see. 
You know, Aileen uh, referenced the story of the, the prodigal son in her testimony this morning. The father didn't change the prodigal son. You understand that, right? The father wasn't the one that changed the prodigal son. The father left him alone. The father let him go. The prodigal son, did, and his friends didn't change him. His relationships didn't change him. What changed the prodigal son? When he was by himself and he saw himself in the situation that he was in, when he truly saw him for what he was, the prodigal son made a change. And sometimes what God wants you to do is walk away from somebody so they can see themselves for who they are and be alone with God and make that change. Maybe the biggest purpose in your life is to be light in their darkness, to extend gracious love and forgiveness no matter what, and to show your strength in a mighty God by setting clear boundaries and allowing them to answer to him for the way they treat you and others. Maybe the best thing you can do for somebody, you know, uh, when, I, when I counsel parents, whether they're in our church or not, I tell them this, stop making excuses for your kid. Right? Stop making excuses for your kid. Listen, I know, I, man, jump on a bandwagon, I know. My boys, my boys have, he started talking about abuse they went through when they were two years old. Talking about how uh, one person, one lady almost twisted his ear off. And you know one of the reasons that they were pulled out of one house? Is because when Michael and Gabriel went to a doctor's visit, Michael's ear, not Gabriel's, Michael's ear, had bruises that the doctor said looked like someone tried to twist their ear off. I never told Gabriel or Michael that. Gabriel told me that. So I know there are struggles and I know that people have issues that need to be helped through, but we've got to, sometimes the best thing you can do is help them through that, but not take responsibility. Listen, I, I tell my boys, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that stuff. But I don't ever say to them, I'm sorry I did that to you. Why? Because I didn't do that. I'm not the one that did that. But I sure am sorry they had to go through it. Don't take responsibility for somebody's actions. Be there to love them through the recovery. And that's something, sometimes the best thing you can do. For yourself, believe that God is for you. I think that's one thing that we've forgotten Many Christians have forgotten in this day and age. And I think that's why so many Christians are, are looking to science. That's a big thing. I can't, we even have commercials on TV. Lead with science. Okay, great, wonderful. Yeah, fine, fine, great. Lead with science, great. Just remember that God created science, okay? Christians are, are trusting in so many other things. Just wave to my sons out in the hallway. Christians are trusting another, and we've gotten away from that. We've, we've allowed the panic of a pandemic to cause us to lose our trust in Jesus and put our trust in other things. He wants you to prosper in your life. He wants you to be beneficial. He wants you to feel his love. Listen, I wish I could, I could take this hope and this love and this joy that is just overflowing in me right now and translate, transmit it to everybody and share that and have, allow everybody to have a piece of that. But I, you can't live on my joy, but I sure can tell you about it. I sure can say, man, there's a hope. There is a hope. 
There is Jesus. There is joy in Jesus. There's joy in serving Jesus, man. And there is, hey, we might not even see the end of this in this life, but there is an end. And one day, all of this will be behind us. So remember, no matter how difficult life gets, God is for you. He's for your family. He's your biggest cheerleader. He wants you to be successful. He wants you to be a great mom. He wants your marriage. Children who will follow in the footsteps of great men and women of God. He loves you. He cares for you. And he has good in store for you. And remember that even though we've talked about them in a kind of a negative sense to a degree, remember this. Toxic people need Jesus. But they need Jesus in the way he wants to meet them, not the way you want to fix them. You must be wise and strategic while not enabling them. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. Paul said, even me, a horrible individual, her persecuted people for following Jesus. Jesus still died for me. And no matter who it is in your life, remember this. The end game is restoration and reconciliation with their Savior. It may take some tough situations. It may take some tough stands to get them there. But that's the end game. I know it's, it's difficult. I know it's tough. I know that when we talk about this, People come to mind that we think we, we just could never take a stand with, but we have to. Folks, listen, we have, a, we, have, we have opportunity. We have opportunity right now. There is joy to be had. There is peace to be found, but we simply have to search for it, look for it, and allow him to fill our lives with it. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege of being together in your house today with your children. Lord, thank you for this message. Thank you for the truth of it. God, it's so difficult sometimes to hear where we need to take stands with others. So difficult to hear that just things that we need to do. Father, I pray that this word will find good soil in our hearts. I pray that we'll make the changes we need to make to be the children, the followers, and the servants that you want us to be. As we go from this place today, Lord, may we go forward as servants and worshipers, loving you and serving you, <clears throat> and sharing your grace with others. Bless us, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen.